Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined as always by my great friend and co-host Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst for First Coast News. And wow, does he have a job in front of him. As a Heisman Trophy voter, maybe Caleb Williams did enough in the last few weeks to convince Brent Beard, or maybe maybe Brent Beard's looking elsewhere. Brent, uh, welcome back to the pod, and yeah, you've got some uh, you've got some conference championship games coming up this weekend that I'm guessing will factor in all that as well. A rule of thumb, Trav, for Heisman voters is that never vote until everything is over. Uh, so that will mean Sunday afternoon. The ballots are due Monday at five. Now, now Trav, I probably need to find my uh, nine-year-old granddaughter to help me on this. But they've added another, uh, uh, and I'm thinking about pops on this. They've added another layer of security. Uh, everything's electronic now. We we basically, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, we do it by email. So they've added this extra layer, Trav, that 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 that, that all these uh, men and women are trying to figure out how to do. Uh, so that should be fascinating. But but look, you you hit it. It uh, I mean, Caleb Williams uh, certainly has shot up the ladder. Uh, but look, we never know what's going to happen this weekend uh, and how it might affect uh, the uh, voting. So frankly, that that's why I never vote until. Until everything is done, uh, and, and kind of look look at the entire resume, as they like to say. Yeah, it's interesting too because you've got the number one ranked team in the country. Uh, you had the college football playoff reveal. The latest rankings come out on Tuesday night. You got Alabama at six. You got Tennessee at seven. You've got some really solid representation, yes. but it doesn't feel like the league has a great shot at a Heisman Trophy winner for one of the very rare and few times here in, in recent memory. And the truth of the matter is Stetson Bennett has been about as steady as anybody has, but it's one of those things, Trav, to where when you talk to other Heisman voters, his name either uh, does it come up or it's, oh, okay, yeah, well, I forgot about Stetson type thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I give him a lot of credit. I'm sure Kirby will have a lot to say about that uh, during these week's press conferences. Uh, but indeed, and, and look, I still say if Bama wins one more game and uh, if, if, if Bryce had been healthy throughout the season, how that would have been different too. Yeah, I think Bryce is definitely a New York guy, at least, if he doesn't win the award, and maybe should still be, uh, yeah, when you consider uh, what he was able to do with a revamped receiving core and playing through the injury, uh, obviously not himself in multiple starts, but still uh, putting that team in position. You talk about the two losses, and I know a lot of voters just look at that and go, well, he lost two games. Well, no, if you watch those games, you know that in the second half, half of Tennessee in the second half of LSU, he did everything he could he did. to put Alabama in position to win those games. Those weren't Bryce Young losses, right. their team right. losses, but he wasn't the determining factor. He didn't play poorly. He didn't play great against LSU, but here's the stat from that game for Bryce Young. Four times after the half, 
the Alabama offense handed the Alabama defense yeah. the lead, either in the That's second right. half or into that overtime period. And on each of those occasions, the Alabama defense could not hold it. Uh, and so he w- it'll be interesting yes. to see with Bryce kind of where he falls in all this. Uh, and, and again, Trav, he was best player on the field in that second half. Yeah. And in and hooker, the shame of his injury, right? right. I mean, he, uh, that was a loss at South Carolina. Um, but he still would have had the, the Vanderbilt game, uh, this past weekend to sort of continue to build on. So just in terms of who gets invited to New York city along, uh, with Caleb Williams, I'm guessing CJ Stroud, that wasn't the performance that he needed, no. but I could still see him at least making the trip. Sure. It's, there's actually some intrigue this year in, in terms of at least who's going to make that trip. Uh, oh, I don't think there's any question about that, uh, that, it, that it will be too. And, uh, Trav, frankly, he won't get any votes uh, as far as to get him in the top five, but for the future, Keep your eye on Harold Perkins of LSU and the in the in the absolute havoc that he can wreck on an offense. Yeah, Harold Perkins is going to be the next Will Anderson candidate. It sounds yes. like, and uh, you know, Will, it's interesting too. He leads the SEC in tackles for loss and sacks, but compared to a year ago, really? you know, his numbers aren't on that same level. No. So it's almost as if he's perceived to have had a down year as well. Well, Brent. Big coaching news in the Southeastern Conference this week. We're going to get into last weekend's games, look ahead to the Southeastern Conference championship game. Obviously, LSU and Georgia set to get together for the second time in what, four years? That's right. 2019, the Tigers and Dogs did it at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. But let's talk about Hugh Freeze on his way. In Auburn, as we speak, as the successor to Brian Harson, he will be the fifth different head coach that Nick Saban will have faced at Auburn during Saban's time at Alabama anyway. And just your general thoughts on the hire. I know that there's the the angle of the disgrace in which he left Ole Miss, Hugh Freeze, but there's this other side of it, too, that, look, this guy can win some football games. That much we do know as well. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, six-year deal, six point five million. Uh, so they and next year, uh, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama, uh, in uh, Auburn. So and and again, uh, he does have an, a career SEC record of nineteen and twenty-one. Uh, so and there's no doubt. I I, I mean between. Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. That's basically who they were looking at. I am I am kind of intrigued, Trav, that some uh, Auburn beat writers, when asked, well, who was plan C if A and B did not work out, and they didn't have an answer to that. So yeah. I, I would have been very interested to hear that one. And now I've gotten different reports on this was – they ask Freeze to uh, relinquish control of his social media accounts after he right. becomes the Auburn coach. Now, now, Trav, if you're if you're trusting him with your football team is one thing, but if you're not trusting him to be on social media, and, and again, uh, there's some conflicting reports about that. But if this is true, uh, I, I thought that was quite interesting, also. Yeah, maybe that was the deal breaker with Lane. Lane wasn't going to give up his Twitter. 
You know, I mean, Lane's got a, a Twitter for his dog now, you know, <laughs> right. so I yes. mean, he's pretty deep on the Twitter. No, in all seriousness, I know what Freeze's response was to that question, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the actual truth isn't somewhere in the middle, which is yes. where it typically yes. finds itself in terms of moderation of his Twitter account by a university or athletic department, uh, sports information type of, uh, conduit that could be involved in that as well. A filtering process perhaps for Hugh freeze in terms of how he goes about his business on social media. But again, if you just want to talk about from a football perspective, it's a hire that makes a lot of sense for Auburn. It's a hire that's going to come and has come with a lot of backlash in terms of negative PR. But I think Auburn really got a favor done for it by Cadillac Williams and Cadillac Williams agreeing to stay a a part of the situation as an assist associate head coach. Um, I I, I think that's maybe overlooked in all this, but I, I think, I think Carnell did a real solid for his uh, alma mater and agreeing to that. Uh, well, and it also uh, brings some continuity to the staff, sure. which obviously he needs. And I'll be very intrigued to see who he brings on. Uh, I guarantee you it will be an SEC centric staff. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but, but you know, my, my only real, um, uh, I, I don't know if disagreement may be too strong, but uh, if you're the, if you're the Auburn hierarchy, uh, don't don't tell everybody that you spent hours investigating <laughs> and vetting Hugh Freeze because that's not the case. What that means to me is you made a call to the big money boosters uh, to, uh, to to get the uh, well, and you made a call to Greg Sankey to see if it was greenlit from absolutely the conference you level. Did. Yes, because Hugh has tried to take assistance jobs uh, in the SEC yes. in the past and. What we've been told is that those have been red lighted in the yes. past by uh, Sankey and the SEC. So I, I'm sure that was one of the phone calls. But your point is a good one. I, I really, if if we could really know the truth and all that, how much time did Auburn spend investigating Brian Harson? Yes. Ver- in yes. relation to his coup attempt from yeah. last off season, and how much time did they really spend vetting? Hugh Freeze. I'd, I'd like to see the actual, yes. the the real time numbers for those. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and I might, I might, I might go with Brian Harson as being yeah. investigated yeah. by yeah. Auburn more than probably even Hugh Freeze. Well, and, and listen, I think an honest um, uh, look at this is. Uh, I, I, I was doing some radio yesterday with with a friend who is involved with the Ole Miss program, and he made an interesting point, Trav. He said, now, is Freeze going to have uh, more talent in 2023 with Auburn, or did he have more talent uh, when he was at Ole Miss with that Robert Kemdichie bunch? And I, I don't might have had more at might add more at Liberty this yeah, year. Yeah, we might have. He may have. But, he beat but, Arkansas with what he had at Liberty he this sure year. Did. He Auburn sure did. did beat Arkansas. No, and and, and and Travis, you know, and and Auburn fans, I don't think really had a hard look at this yet. Is he's going to have a real rebuilding job next year? I, I mean, even with the guys, particularly in that 
defensive line like Derek Hall and guys like that who are probably headed uh, to the NFL. Uh, Trev, that's not going to be an easy rebuilding job uh, with Auburn. So, and I know he'll go into the portal, I'm sure of that. But at the same time, with the losses that are coming, uh, with their better players, I'm guessing Tank Bigsby realizes he may better move on uh, with as much treads left on the tire. So uh, that that uh, a lock and load and rebuild may not happen overnight. And it starts at quarterback. Absolutely. You know, is Robbie Asher to fit? I think in some ways he is because uh, Hugh will run the quarterback some. He likes sort of that multi-threat guy. Bo Wallace was sort of that kind of guy, but Chad Kelly was more of a, probably a pocket guy for Ole Miss. So start at the quarterback position and go from there. And speaking of Ole Miss and coaches that have been involved in the Auburn situation, Lane Kiffin on Thursday night, last Thanksgiving night, we're going to get into some reviewing of games from the weekend It started on Thanksgiving night with the annual Egg Bowl matchup between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Mike Leach gets his first Egg Bowl win, a 24-22 victory over Lane Kiffin and the Rebels. I think as newsworthy as anything were some of Lane's post-game comments in relation to the reports Mm -hmm. throughout the week in regard to his connection to that Auburn situation, but... Boy, Mississippi State gets it done with an emphasis on the fourth quarter. Will Rogers throws for 239, but you know we t- talked about this on the podcast last week. I really thought yards and running back play yes. for Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson would tell you a lot about how this game went, and I believe that to be the case once it was over. Well, your tweet uh, of the the state defense kept them in the game mm-hmm. uh, for Marks and Johnson to basically take that over, uh, I, I thought was straight on. Uh, and, and, Trav, that's one thing that probably still hasn't got enough attention over there is the job that Zach Ornette done. I know you and I have called attention to it almost every week. And, and also the running backs. And you put uh, – you, you put uh, – uh, both that both those connections together, and you're going to win a, a decent amount of games, and that's a lot of why State won eight this year. It is, and Ole Miss had some drops in the game. Oh yes, from the wide receiver position, uh, had to settle for some field goals. You know, Lane hates those. And then Lane went for it on a fourth there in the second yeah, half yes. instead of taking the points, and he has a really good kicker in Jonathan Cruz. And hindsight's twenty twenty. We get all that, but. Uh, that was a, that was a crucial sort of sequence right there as well. I thought Jackson Dart played well enough to win the game. He sure did. Um, but yeah, I give a lot of credit to Zach Arnett and that state defense because, uh, they absolutely did keep that team in the game long enough until Marks and Johnson and the state offense could get it done, um, late, uh, and Ole Miss in that two point mode there, uh, couldn't get it done in the loss to the Bulldogs on Friday. You had Arkansas bowl eligible at six and five going into its annual matchup with Missouri, Missouri looking for bowl eligibility going in at five and six. And that was a good football game, man. It was Missouri gets it done. 29, 27 
the Tigers are bowl eligible. We've seen some transfer portal news for Missouri. Dom Lovett, uh, the leading receiver against Arkansas, goes from 130 on Friday. And before the end of the weekend or early this week, Dom Lovett Lovett announces via social media, Brent, that he's he's headed elsewhere. Uh, And I can tell you this. There will be a lot of attention for Dom Lovett yes. uh, all around. Also, Tyler Macon, their backup, uh, is going to be transferring in Tremaine Ford, their defensive end. Uh, and, and also, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, uh, Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss is also going. So yes, we he is. We mentioned them a minute ago. But, uh, uh, Trev, uh, I, I'm, I'm curious what you think now about Brady Cook. I mean, 16 of 26, 242, ran for 138. Look, Cook, uh, uh, now, Cook's not going to be in New York for the Heisman, but I will say this, uh, Drinkwith had faith in him. He brought him along uh, during the year. And, and look, as we talk about returning quarterbacks over the offseason, Brady Cook, uh, should get more attention uh, certainly than what he had in, in the beginning of the year. He was frankly pretty solid. Yeah, I don't think there's a most improved award at the end of the year, uh, but Brady Cook would certainly be right there at the top he of that be, list if you were talking about SEC players. Given the way, as you outlined, he's come along, and not just as a passer, but, man, with his legs, I think that's maybe been the biggest surprise right, really? in his game. And, well – I'd also credit Missouri defensively for the improvement, especially where defending the run is concerned because they were absolutely abhorrent in that regard a year ago. Rocket Sanders leads Arkansas in rushing in the loss to Missouri, but it's just with 47 yards. That's something you can survive uh, if you're Missouri in that game. So Missouri gets it done, 6-6 six and six overall. Arkansas 6-6. Six and six. I guess we also... In relation to some of these teams, Mississippi State eight and four, Ole Miss eight and four. You got some identical records, which I guess will make it interesting in terms of how some of these bowl games shake out. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Now, a lot of uh, the beat writers for Arkansas uh, certainly were surprised how it ended, but but I mean, when you look at their schedule, uh, how difficult that was. Uh, in the non-con, also K.J. Jefferson up and down throughout the year. Uh, they had they lost three of their last four games by a total of eight points, uh, and and they've had uh, several changes. Trev, I'm not I'm not sure that bowl game was five minutes over before he fired the strength and conditioning coach. Did you see that? <laughs> Jamil, Jamil Walker was uh, was out the door. Malik Hornsby is in the transfer portal. Kyrie Jackson, the defensive back, is also there. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood is declared for the draft uh, already. Uh, I still believe in Pittman. It wasn't the year that they wanted to have uh, but, Travis, you can look at some of these stars and where they are right now. Uh, it's going to be very interesting offseason in Fayetteville, is it not? It is. And it's surprising to me on social media and 
elsewhere to see some of these Arkansas fans refer to Sam Pittman as being on the hot seat next year. <laughs> you got to be kidding. What are you talking about? That's insane. You know? Um, I, you know, and, and it's the inflated sense of expectation for so many, every, every one of these fan bases think they should be in the mix yes. for the CFP every Absolutely. year. There's only four spots, you That's know, there's right. only four spots. And even when it goes to 12, the harsh reality for a lot of these fans is that your team, your program on an annual basis isn't built for that. Oh, so, oh. wow. It, that in the, in the blowback after that loss to Missouri, it was, whoa, Sam Pittman on the hot seat in 2023. I don't think so. No, oh. you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we need to go back a couple of regimes here. And remind some Arkansas <laughs> yeah, fans absolutely. of what it was like to go, what, three years, basically, without yeah. an SEC win? What Chad in the Morris? world? Yeah. People, yeah, yeah. Bring back Chad Morris and see yeah, how you like that. Absolutely. Good. Great. Yeah. And again. And again Want to get rid of Kendall Browles and Barry Odom. Want oh, the yeah. coordinators out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Four, All right. Four losses this year by three points or less, Travis. Yeah. I mean, look. It's not to say Arkansas on occasion can't be a 10, 11 win type team once every four or five years, maybe, but it's like Sam Pittman set himself up for failure by doing what he did the last couple of years. Really? He set the stage for just totally unrealistic expectations. Uh, But it is Arkansas at six and six, Missouri at six and six. And then Friday night, you had Florida and Florida state. I didn't like the game being played on Friday night. I went to a high school playoff game, but I had the YouTube TV on the phone. Yeah. So I'm watching the game on the phone from the high school playoff game. And I got to admit, entertaining as all get out as the Gators for the first time in a little bit are on the wrong side of the rivalry with Florida State. The Knowles get it done 45-38 in Tallahassee. Now, um, I know in the beginning of the year, and you probably did too, I had a lot of Gator fans who said, now, look, we know we like the guy. If we can finish 6-6 six and six and go to a bowl, I'll be happy. <laughs> I heard that, Trap. Did you hear that too? No, 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 no. I, I, none of them uh, ever said that. Uh, 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 Not yeah. acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it, it, it was a very entertaining game. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, and we'll talk primarily about Florida. But I do want to give, and I'm curious what you thought. I, I do want to give FSU a lot of credit. I, I mean, they the, mm. in, the, in the three games they've lost, and that's been it. Uh, and they sure they should have beat NC State. But Jordan Travis uh, really had a tremendous year. Their defense stepped he, up. Big. Jordan Travis is Florida State Stetson Bennett. He that's, is. Isn't that, he? That's what I see in him. That guy. He doesn't fit a lot of the. Doesn't check a lot of the boxes. Um, in terms of tangibles, but he's a, he's a competitor and he can hurt you running it and he can hurt you throwing it. Yeah. They, I like that. They guy. May have, I agree. But and they may have turned a corner, uh, frankly. And again, to your point about Sam Pittman, they have, uh, stood the test of time keeping Norvell after the disaster of Willie Taggart. Uh, so that they have survived that. I know they play in a weak ACC. I get that, but but still, but on this Florida team, uh, that when they run the ball, that's their strength. Uh, you've got a situation. Uh, Anthony Richardson even admitted himself nine of twenty-seven 
uh, including 11 straight incompletions, uh, is not something you want to see. But 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 Trap, just look, I like uh, Napier. I think he's going to do a good job. He's had two great mentors, Nick Saban, Debo Sweeney. But but uh, Trav, were you mystified like I was in that third quarter when you're running the ball at will against Florida State and you basically come out throwing in two different yeah. series and you go basically three and out? Yeah, that that was a bit mystifying. And the the future I think is bright for Florida. Uh, yes. When you look at, especially at the end, at the running back oh, position, yeah, he absolutely. goes for about a buck thirty. It seems like once a game, he has a, a run of forty yards or more. So, got a lot of explosiveness in that regard. Pearsall has really worked out as a transfer, 148 receiving yards against Florida State. But you know, we go back to the the comments of six and six, and that's okay in a rebuilding year. You know this too. It's all about how you finish. Yeah, you know, if you is, win a couple it? late to get to yep. six and six, it's a whole lot different than if, if you lose a couple no late to fall to six and six. And especially when Vanderbilt's one of those two, um, that's the one that, you know, a seven and five with a win over Vanderbilt uh, is a lot more palatable, yes. I think, for Florida fans than the six and six and kind of how this team found itself in that position. On Saturday, you had early. Boy, a couple interesting games. Georgia Tech gets out to the early 7 nothing yeah. lead and is really hanging around there mm-hmm. uh, for more than a half in Athens. But again, kind of like what Georgia does. Uh, it may feel like or look like on the scoreboard that the game is pretty competitive, but as it wears along or moves along, it seems like that Georgia run game gets going. Um, even on a day when Stetson Bennett doesn't throw for a lot of yards or that passing game is particularly effective, Kenny McIntosh gets it done, man. You talk about explosive plays, both as a runner and a receiver, the running back for Georgia. Georgia scores 37 straight, goes on to beat the Yellow Jackets 37-14 in advance of Saturday's SEC championship game. And so there you go. Looks like Georgia in good shape, Brent, heading into Atlanta. Yeah, they and again, they really don't have a bell cow at receiver and or running back, but they just continue to get the job done. Special uh, teams are good too. Uh, uh, extremely led McConkey. Yeah, punt returning. Yes. Yeah. Jack Podlesny, probably the best kicker in the country too. Nobody <laughs> talks about him. I think he's 23 of 25 on field goals, and he hasn't missed an extra point, and he put 65 65- percent of his kickoffs into the end zone for touchbacks that guy's going to kick in the nfl it's a good year for kickers sure in the is. southeastern conference but pot lesney and you're right mcconkey in the return game they're just they're good in all three phases and and great in a couple of them uh this georgia team reminds me of that uh analogy that a metaphor i guess that um, uh, that that's been used for Alabama from time to time, particularly with Gary Danielson, that anaconda, uh, yeah. that, 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 Choke George, you out. yeah, absolutely. And, and by the, you know, you don't really see it coming. And then mm-hmm. by the fourth quarter, you wait, you look up and you're three touchdowns behind and, uh, and you haven't scored a lot of points either. Uh, is the other thing, uh, we mentioned Malachi Starks before tra- Trav. True freshman, 656 snaps, 
in the regular season, most on the defense in 87% of all the snaps. He, that, that's a guy that, that, that kind of sums up who they are defensively and where they've been, not afraid to play players. The guy gets in, proves how good he is, uh, and, and he typifies that Georgia defense to me. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know, he is not a guy they they try to hide either. I mean, he plays a lot of snaps. He plays a lot of snaps in which he's the focal point of coverage or, you know, being involved in how they utilize him. And to do that as a true freshman is particularly remarkable. And so he'll be a big part of it this week, too, because LSU is going to challenge Georgia with a mobile quarterback and, you know, wide receivers across the board that are really capable. So we'll see how that works out for Georgia coming up on Saturday. Also in the early window from last week, Clemson hosting South Carolina. And wow, that's all I know to say about it. Yeah, I guess South Carolina team of the week, two years, two weeks in a row. Um, You know, it's, it's a 14 to nothing game. And you're thinking, wow, Clemson's just going to, Role and boy, the the party in Columbia must have been amazing following that win over Tennessee because it looked like it had extended into the following week for the Gamecocks. But then it's a twenty three to fourteen game. You know, Spencer Rattler's making some awful decisions yes. and throwing a couple of yes. interceptions. But then the Gamecocks answer, man. Twenty eight points between the second and third quarters. Their special teams, too, their punt team especially, continuously put Clemson in the hole there in the fourth quarter. And DJ Ungalele, the quarterback for Clemson and that passing game for Clemson, just could not get it done. Will Shipley, very impressive for Clemson with 132 rushing yards. But in the end, man, Spencer Rattler, whatever you think of the guy, he gets it done. 25 and 39 for 360, but still has two picks. This is a stat, and Travis and I for years have been uh, big triple option fans, and this stat reminded me of that. But this tells you how different college football is today. Clemson outrushed South Carolina 237 to 54 and lost the game. Trav, uh, would we have ever seen that 20 and 30 years ago? Uh, that, that To me, that's an amazing stat. Yeah, and you're right. It's 2022 football, man. We're going to talk about Alabama-Auburn coming up in a minute. And, you know, Auburn rushed for over 300 yeah, yards and lost absolutely. by 22 points. Yes. You, know, you, you just don't see that. But I, I said it earlier in the week. If I'm Spencer Rattler, I don't play another game. I mean, because this is – this is good as it gonna get. It really with Spencer is. Spencer Rattler. Is, yeah. No, yeah. You know, everybody, Spencer, Carolina, nobody needs to get drunk on these last two games. <laughs> Spencer needs to go ahead and declare for the NFL draft. Because look, in all seriousness, and the games against Tennessee and and other than the two picks against Clemson, the guy has looked like an NFL quarterback. I mean, he has got the ability to make all the throws. He showed some uh, Moxie in those wins. He showed some instinctive ability in terms of working the pocket and putting himself in position to make some of these throws. It's been just absolutely first roundish type stuff from Spencer Rattler these last two weeks. And, and, and Trev, real quick, what, what about Antoine Wells? 
Uh, yeah. The wide receiver, nine for 131. Uh, uh, Travis, 898 receiving yards on the season. Yeah, say this for Beamer, too, man. He worked the transfer portal to his benefit. He did, didn't he? Uh, he really did. Uh, Rattler, certainly at the top of that list, but he wasn't the only one. And so South Carolina at eight and four. And then I see in the last day or so, as we uh, kind of expected, uh, even after the Tennessee win, uh, raise an extension talk for uh, for Shane Beamer. It looks like he's losing a staff member, though, to Nebraska. Um, yeah. With Matt Rule yeah. taking that job at Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, yes. yeah, he's going to going to Lincoln. Is that right? Well, it's close to happening. I don't think it's a done deal yet. But Satterfield is now. Before these last two games, Satterfield was the uh, punching bag for all South Carolina <laughs> fans. Trav, do you remember that? They wanted him yeah. gone, did they not? Yeah, he transformed into Spurrier. He in did. The last did two he? games, it's amazing. Oh, Lord. Amazing how you're connected to your quarterbacks play. You're all right. right. Spencer plays great. You're the yes. best coordinator in the world. Hey, um, let's talk about Louisville and Kentucky. Worried about Kentucky going into this game, but what about the Wildcats? This looked more like the Kentucky team we're used to seeing. Will Levis, 188 passing yards. Christian Rodriguez goes for uh, 120 uh, on the ground. I guess Louisville was dealing with a, a quarterback injury there uh, in the game as well, but Kentucky gets the win, gets to seven and five in the regular season. Well, and and the big news that's coming out of Kentucky is uh, <laughs> is the I'm sure this shocks you, doesn't it, Travis? Uh, the offensive coordinator situation. Uh, it, you've got Rich uh, Scangarello, <coughs> who came from the NFL. Uh, he is out. And uh, and does this also surprise you, Trav? Oh, some rumor, and I give Matt Jones credit for this for that from the Kentucky Sports Network. Liam Cohen's name coming back and go up again, Trav. As far yeah. as, as far as trying to get him back again. Uh, listen, uh, you and I both love Chris Rodriguez. So think about this a minute, Trav. <laughs> He he misses four games, still has 904 rushing yards. I say he can get it done, man. man. No doubt about it. <laughs> Speaking of getting it done, the Alabama Crimson Tide wins the 87th edition of the Iron Bowl last Saturday afternoon in Tuscaloosa, 49-27 over the Auburn Tigers. Again, if I told you going into this game, Auburn's going to run for 318 oh. yards, Brent. Oh. Probably would have liked the Tigers' chances of making this a four-quarter affair, but a couple of unforced turnovers, really, for Auburn in the first half helped Alabama get some separation there with a 35-14 to lead. And so Auburn, whereas it did run the ball, extremely effective. It's kind of tough to watch if you're an Alabama fan how the Tigers just gashed mm. that Crimson Tide defense time and time again. Uh, but in catch-up mode, that's not where you want to be when that's your emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. No, uh, and and also the uh, uh, the muffed punt, controversial yep. as it was, turned that game in a lot of ways too. Travis, uh, there there has not been enough said about this, but Alabama again has ten wins for the fifteenth straight year. Um, uh, you've got a uh, Florida State had that mark. Clemson had that mark. Look, I don't I don't care who you are. 
of all the things that Nick Saban has done and and will done, uh, and again, this streak's not over yet. Uh, Trev, I don't I don't know if that will ever be replicated, uh, uh, frankly, in our lifetime. Model of consistency of excellence, really, not just consistency, but excellence. And yes, I know we're in a twelve-game regular season era, so I can hear the Florida State fans probably out there for it. Whereas a lot of what Bowden did uh, during that incredible stretch for the Seminoles, that was an eleven-game regular season. But still, even if you want to talk about eleven win seasons under Nick Saban. Um, it's pretty amazing to look at those as well. So Alabama gets it done 49-27. Bryce Young, if that was it for Bryce Young at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and who knows, maybe plays, maybe doesn't play in the postseason, but a fitting exit for him, four total touchdowns. He throws for 343 and three scores. Uh, and explosive plays for the Alabama passing game. A little bit too little too late, it felt like. But the last couple of weeks, anyway, Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory mm-hmm. Brooks, the tight ends, not just the running backs as it was so often in the first half or so of the season, providing the Alabama offense with explosive plays. Uh, and, Trav, what about uh, Robbie Oots, who is a lot more like a fullback mm-hmm. than he is a tight end, making some huge plays uh, in the game, Jermaine Burton admitting that he really kind of uh, uh, started to come on toward the end of the year, uh, along with that too. So, a matter of fact, with with the Clemson loss, by, by the way, Alabama now has a, the nation's longest winning streak at home. Uh, so, uh, uh, that, that, that's another little tidbit there that uh, you keep winning, good things happen. Texas will put that to the test, maybe, in yep. week two. Good point. Next yes. season. Longhorns. Longhorns visit Bryant-Denny Stadium next season. So Auburn at 5-7 and seven and 2-6 and six in the SEC. Very impressive finish to the season, I thought, for Cadillac Williams and his four games as the interim head coach. Again, you talk about running the football, 250-plus rushing yards a game with Cadillac in there. Alabama really had no answers for Jarquez Hunter and uh, Robbie Ashford, especially did a pretty good job against tank Bigsby, but the perimeter runs and Ashford's legs, uh, impressive stuff for those guys. And Ashford had a heck of a throw on a touchdown pass too in that loss to Alabama. So interesting to see what happens with Auburn with Hugh freeze taking over as we outlined earlier in the podcast uh, for Alabama, interesting to see if the Crimson Tide is, in fact, out of the college football playoff. What exactly does it ro- does its roster look like in anticipation of a bowl game that's likely to be in New Orleans, from best I can tell? It looks like the Sugar Bowl, probably, for the Alabama football team. Yeah, and that shifted from uh, uh, the Orange Bowl with Clemson that a lot of folks thought would be going on. Uh, but again, still... Bama, uh, and, we'll, and I'll be brief about this, uh, at, at this point, uh, at number six, uh, if, if, if there's a Southern Cal loss, you've got a real decision for that committee, and there could be a TCU loss with Kansas State uh, as a possibility. So certainly kudos to Alabama st- for still being uh, at least uh, in the mix. Now, now look, 
uh, uh, we can compare numbers and stats and all that, but but one thing that really is uh, that, that I thought was interesting with this committee, Travis, this committee likes Alabama. I, I, I mean, they have yeah. they uh, they have said that, and, and and you can throw numbers up there all day long, and they've got all look they've got a thousand stats to say the least. But but the reality is, it's still who are the best four teams to go into the playoff. And I'm not saying that that it will happen, but I am saying that for Alabama fans, if the committee likes you and the way, and the way you play and and your results, that makes a difference. They like matchups too, and there's they trust do. that committees w- yes. want with teams. And so when they think about a 14 playoff, if Alabama is your 14, you trust that your 14 is going to give that number one seed a hell of a game. Yeah. And so I think there's, I think there's some of that with Ohio state too. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think if it was just about any other one loss team, Alabama would have been in the five spot on Tuesday night with that one loss team behind it in six, but Ohio state, the blue blood in its own right with just one loss wasn't surprised to see the Buckeyes. I know the, the committee used the, well, the win over Notre Dame, the win over Penn State, well, whatever. It, it's brand matters too, okay? Yes, brand matters. It does. And a, no the Ohio State brand, yes. like Alabama's brand, has helped it in the past. The Ohio State brand really helped the Buckeyes uh, as a one-loss team in the latest CFP reveal. LSU goes on the road. We talk so much about, well, with Brian Kelly in there, you don't worry as much about LSU in a situation like this with Texas A&M. And then what happens? LSU goes to College Station and really gets outplayed there throughout the game. Uh, but it is a close game at the half. Connor Weekman, he keeps you, he keeps you hanging on he the does, freshman quarterback he? for Texas A&M, yeah. and he's probably going to keep, probably going to keep Jimbo in place. I see Jimbo though is throwing some some deck chairs over overboard uh, with his staff here in recent days. So uh, we'll see how that plays out from a staff perspective for Texas A&M. But first for LSU, I don't think it's the kind of loss that really changes the focus for LSU going into this week or puts it in sort of this downward spiral. But I think it did illustrate that, while this is a really, really solid LSU team in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. it is far from perfect. Uh, oh, oh, it is. I, I do think that Brian Kelly let the conference know that uh, that he is there and that he is capable uh, with the talent that's coming down the road. And it's not bad now uh, that they're going to have some some really solid years at LSU. Uh, we're, we're all watching for Jaden Daniels. He had an ankle sprain. Uh, I would think he should be fine, but again, that's something to watch. Uh, John Emery, Noah Kane, how will they do? Uh, Kayshawn, uh, booty also now look, I, I, I still think Georgia wins because Georgia is the, uh, uh, the more consistent team, maybe the most consistent team as far as, uh, any team in the country, but, but, but Trav, these are the games that that Brian Kelly gets his team up for, 
and and that they will play a a a very competitive game that that this won't surprise me at all if they're in this game for several quarters unlike what a lot of people feel i think it goes back to daniel's availability and not just in terms of whether or not he starts or plays i fully anticipate that'll be the case but to what extent will you be able to access all of his skill set yes. if the ankle is an issue? And by the way, it's a 38-23 game, and you're going for two. And that's the <laughs> really? play that he gets hurt on. Yeah. I mean, you're chasing points in a 38-23 game. Just kick the extra point. Really? You know what I mean? At that point. But, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Because if Daniels is able to unleash the full Daniels, like he did on Alabama and some other defenses – uh, this season with his legs and with his arm and with that receiving core. I guess what concerned me too a little bit in that game was that I didn't think LSU won as much up front offensively against that no. Texas A&M front seven. And that's been the concern for LSU really throughout the season. And then you think ahead to what it's going to see with this Georgia front seven. Yeah. Uh, right. That becomes even more concerning. I'll tell you this, man. Devon A. Chain has been an absolute huh. pleasure to watch on the football field. I know LSU's defense didn't enjoy it when he was rushing for 215 yards Saturday night, but man, I Devon a chain is my favorite running back in college football. And it's not even close because this guy's about five, nine, 190 pounds. He's not afraid to stick it up in there. He has amazing short space quickness. And then he's a track guy on top of all that. He's a tough dude too. I love Devon A. Chain. Good to see him have the big game. And boy, Moose Muhammad with just a couple yeah. of absolute yeah. circus catches in the win for the Aggies. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and I mean, and remember, Travis, he didn't play against Auburn because he had sleeves on. During that game. <laughs> what, what, in, well, what if he were? Well, <laughs> well, he got the message. He got yeah, the message. Yeah. And that's why he had the good game. That's what yeah. Jimbo will tell you. See? And he took and, coaching, Brent. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you snickered like I did with Daryl Dickey being fired as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, that was the aforementioned uh, deck yeah. chair off of the Titanic. Yeah, was. Yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, but again, you and I both know, and, and obviously that the, they're losing a lot of players, defensive linemen Elijah Judy and Ish Harris, and linebacker and L.J. Johnson at running back. But the reality is, Trev, I don't care who he brings in there. Uh, is he, it, will he let him call plays and control the offense? <laughs> That's well, going to be hey, Jimbo. Jimbo got a top five win. Yep. It, it, we all thought he'd get at least one this year. Yep, he got he one. He sure did. He, he got five wins. He, uh, among his five wins was a top five win. That's over. right. Almost had another one against Alabama and Tuscaloosa, yep. but five and seven for the Aggies and two and six in Southeastern conference play wrapping up last weekend's action, Tennessee traveling to Vanderbilt. There was a little bit of interest in this game, especially after Vanderbilt had knocked off Florida and won a couple of sec games in a row, Tennessee, of course, reeling following that uh, 60 burger. It was fed at South Carolina the previous week, put in uh, the mix there that Hendon hookers out Joe Milton's in at quarterback, but, None of it seemed to matter, especially if you can run the ball like Tennessee ran it against the Commodores. Boy, Jalen Ryan, 160 
yards and almost in the top 10 as far as the SEC is concerned. And Dylan Sampson, too. Uh, Jalen White is certainly up for uh, well-deserving awards at this point, too. Uh, and again, one thing about Tennessee, as we were talking about uh, for the college football playoff, Trev, and look, I get this. Fans don't like it, and it's so unfortunate. But you really do wonder if Hendon Hooker had been healthy, uh, would there have been, uh, as far as if you look at any two lost teams, would would Tennessee have gotten more consideration than maybe they did? And the committee is very aware of these injuries, aren't they? They are, and I, I don't think they're supposed to maybe take that into consideration. They can't help it, can they? How can you not? How can you not? And um, look, here, here's the other harsh reality for Tennessee fans that they probably don't want to hear is that the 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 month of November counts, right? How yes. you perform in the month of November matters. And let's be honest, uh, I think the Georgia game was in November, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a. Yeah, I yes. think it was. Well, you were dominated in two November games down the stretch. You didn't just lose those games. You were dominated. I mean, I know it was a 14-point game against Georgia. No. I mean, we all know. That was as much of a 30-point type loss as it was a 14-point loss. And then you got bombed by a South Carolina team that at the time was coming off a 32-point loss on the road to Florida the previous week. So November matters, man. And how you're perceived to – be trending down the stretch absolutely matters. And so I think that was a big part of it as well. I know when you look at it head to head, you look at Tennessee and Alabama, you say Tennessee won the game. Tennessee should be in front. That's fine. If you wanted to put Tennessee six on Tuesday night and Alabama seven, I would have totally got that. Um, Yeah. And I get it too. Tennessee fans after this sort of desert that they've been through with this football program, they want every ounce yes. of recognition and approval that they can get for this team. So I get that. But at the end of the day, unless some just absolutely crazy stuff happens this weekend, six or seven don't matter. You're, yeah. you're out. Right. Now, it could matter in terms of if you wanted to go to the Sugar Bowl um, as the highest-ranked non-CFP SEC team. Okay, that's I whatever. Um but yeah, that's that's kind of how those numbers seem to break down. Kind of a rough ending for Clark Lee, uh, but still five and seven, a couple of SEC wins. It, it's hard to to look at this Vanderbilt team and and think it wasn't uh, at least successful on multiple levels. Uh, and particularly when you're having to deal with two quarterbacks uh, the way that they were. AJ Swan ended the end, played a little bit. Mike Wright played a little bit. But look, uh, at for Vanderbilt to be five and seven, and Trev, it may not be over for them because you know there may be a bow slot or two that that is opened, <laughs> and if anybody will, they, their APR could get them in if they. You had know to what surprised me about that though was UNLV, from what I read, among five and seven teams is the highest APR oh, that's that up there, and I think Auburn. I think Auburn yeah, at Auburn's five and seven too. was up there too. So uh, they yeah, are. We'll see how that plays out. But there you go. There's a recap from all of last week's action. Boy, 
That was uh, a lot to get through. And, of course, very excited about Saturday's matchup at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta as the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs take on the SEC Western Division co-champs. But via the head-to-head win over Alabama, it is LSU making that trip up from the bayou. So, Brent, you anticipating a competitive game? You thinking Georgia just kind of does what Georgia does? Uh, maybe a shocker here, maybe like a Nick Saban LSU over Tennessee. Remember that one all those oh, years yeah. ago? Yeah, you never know. No, it, you, you, I think uh, as consistent as Georgia has been, and again, I think LSU plays well, uh, but I do think that um, uh, that, that Georgia will prevail and be the number one seed. And, and by the way, uh, a lot of folks will be looking at that USC and Utah game. That's a Friday night game on Fox uh, at eight. And, and Trav, this is this needs to be said too. That this is th- these games for the championship this weekend. This is why these commissioners want to do away with divisions because their their concern is uh, would be in a uh, situation like just like you said. Does does Greg Sankey want a uh, an LSU team to be the SEC champion with three losses? So, mm-hmm. uh, so the point of that is you do away with the divisions, and the SEC is a, is a good example of this. And you've got what uh, easily either a uh, uh, Georgia Alabama or yeah. Georgia Tennessee game instead of Georgia LSU. Yeah, you're you're able to default to the CFP rankings. Yes, is you're yes. out from the backlash. You go look, we don't have divisions, so. And we're not using head-to-head and tiebreakers. We're using highest ranking in the CFP. Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see that uh, playing out. And Sankey's already said pretty much, right, that divisions yes. are going away. Yes, so they are. It's on the horizon for the Southeastern Conference. Well, always a lot of fun with you, Brent. Always a lot of great insight from Brent Beard. And I look forward to talking about it all next week because we're going to have the SEC Championship game to review. We're going to have – the Heisman talk, certainly in full swing uh, after the conference championship games. We're going to have a CFP field. We're going to have bowl game assignments. We're going to have coaching talk. Man, not going to slow down anytime soon, Brent. Uh, and Trev, uh, uh, because our listeners and viewers want to know, the uh, Pop's behavior, I understand, was a dud over Thanksgiving, yeah. according to him. And we've got Christmas coming up, buying Chris- mm-hmm. Christmas presents. We got his Santa. 75th birthday. Oh, yeah. so he so, turned 75 well, in a couple weeks. So, Trev, how will, will that behavior change over the next few weeks? You know, he was like disappointed. Thanksgiving night. I asked him about his behavior and he said it was disappointing. He thought that he, he basically, he basically admitted to losing his fastball because there have been holidays (laughs) where pops has almost been banished from uh, family activities because of his behavior, but he was benign, you know, just like a bump on a log uh, on Thursday. So he was, he was pretty upset with himself. So maybe he's going to crank it back up for the holidays, so. you know, really bring it for Christmas. He does have that 75th birthday yes. coming up. Yeah. So we'll see what he's got. You know, we'll <laughs> see what he's got. All right, Brent. Enjoyed it. Me too, bud. Take care. 
for Brent Beer, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we hope you'll do so. Simple as a click or two. And man, if you would leave us, and ladies, if you would leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. For Brent, Travis, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody.